All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Fan and the Fanatic. We are on, I don't even know what episode this is now, Seven, 16 or 17, forget. But we're doing good, dude. We're like, hey, we're almost at 20. We should do something for the 20th episode. Like, that's a big, big achievement, I think. Um, oh, I agree. <laughs> all right, anyway, uh, so it's been another crazy week, uh, football and baseball trades and free agency all that stuff so but before we get into that obviously march madness is going on and me and matt have our final four predictions so let's just take a look at the current standings so we're officially on to the sweet 16 and three of my picks are still in matt was laughing at me for the providence and michigan pick but what did i tell you you can't use logic when it comes to this stuff. So Kentucky's out, obviously, because they got upset by the Cinderella of this year's tournament, St. Peter's. Um, so good for them. But the rest of my picks are still in. I still got Gonzaga. They Gonzaga's looked a little shaky. Um, I don't think they've played their best basketball yet, obviously. Uh, Michigan looks good, and Arizona survived a close one today. Oh, sorry, not Arizona. Um. Oh, well, Arizona did survive a close one today, but yeah, Providence, I mean, has been solid too. So, uh, so far, three out of my four are going strong, and I feel good. Michigan is just hot right now. I mean, Villanova's tough, but honestly, they're my most confident one right now <laughs> uh, that's still left. So uh, we'll check back in. I don't even know. Maybe next week it, it'll have been been done already, right? So. Yeah, we'll come back to that. But what about you, Matt? How's yours going? <laughs> well, I talked a lot of trash and my one team got eliminated today, so I don't feel very confident. <laughs> Auburn, you bunch of losers. <laughs> Chuck was pissed, though. Yeah. That's his school this way. Yeah. I'm still confident in Arizona, though, I will say. Arizona Even looks though, good. Yep. I'm still confident in that pick. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to see. It's been some pretty good games. Um, I hope St. Peter's goes to the Elite Eight, but Purdue is also pretty tough, man. All these teams that are left are actually all pretty tough. A lot of, like, decently high seeds are still left, too. So, um, dude, Texas Tech, I feel like Texas Tech is just is just always there now. Like, the past three years, I think three out of four years, this is their third time making the sweet 16 something like that so props to them um yeah go say gonzaga <laughs> oh seventh yeah. straight year in the sweet 16 yeah i mean just what's what's the coach's name mark few mark few yeah dude's a, dude is legit also wait let's shout out university of portland men's basketball <laughs> team i don't know if you saw this Got their first, uh, yeah, first ever postseason win. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Go Litz. Go Litz, baby. We'll be back there in June. Um, but I can't believe, have they not had a basketball program that long? Or have they just no, not we been just, good? We're just not that good. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this new coach, I don't know. Maybe this he's the future now. Hopefully, UP can keep him, dude. Um, Because if he can turn around UP, 
you know other schools are looking into him for sure. So hopefully hey, Hawaii, maybe Hawaii should look into him. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Well, I'm guessing uh you you and Hunter got into that. Um yeah, I'll just say now we got Hunter as our guest later on today talking all things UH. So I'll look forward to that one. Um but all right, that's enough March Madness. Let's get into the real meat and potatoes of this episode. So crazy uh week of NFL just transactions, I guess. We'll list some of the minor ones first. So Bengals restacking their O-line. Um they added three offensive linemen, including today's most recent one. Uh Former Cowboy, Lael Collins. I know Matt is sad about that one. Tough to see him go there. Uh, Brady got another weapon. Russell Gage went to Tampa. Uh, solid, solid player. Marcus Williams got a big contract. The former Saints safety now went to the Ravens. Marcus May went to the Saints to replace him. Traverius Ward, I thought it was a big loss for Kansas City. Uh, now going over to the 49ers. Um, let's see. The Colts and Raiders swapped uh, Rockison from Indianapolis, went to Vegas, um, and the Colts got Ngakwe. So another pass rusher there. Uh, just trying to get to – those are kind of more of the minor ones. Let's start getting to the bigger ones now. J.C. Jackson – Huge pickup for Los Angeles, I thought. I don't know why Bill does not like paying his corners, but that's now Gilmore and now J.C. Jackson. I mean, I always think he knows something we don't know, but I really like J.C. Jackson. So uh, good for Tua, though, uh, and Waddle. So um, He's Mr. INT for a reason, right? Yeah, Mr. INT, man. Um <clears throat> Let's see. That was a big one. Vaughn Miller to the Bills. Kind of a surprise twist there. I know you were hoping to get get Vaughn there, huh? Um, we'll get to who the Cowboys did and did not get. Who they extended and who they did not sign. We'll get into that later. I'm sure Matt has a lot to say about that. Let's see. Chandler Jones, big signing, went to the Raiders. To the AFC West. I saw a tweet. People are saying it's like the arms race, man. Like they're just every team is just going all out to try and outdo the other. I really think we could see three of those teams in the playoffs come come playoff time. Um, let's see. Julio Jones got cut by the Titans. I could see him going to Green Bay, you know, maybe on a one year prove it deal, help out Rodgers. Um, Chris Godwin resigned to Tampa, and an interesting one for me. Allen Robinson went to the Rams, and they let go of Robert Woods, so he's now going to Tennessee. I really, I like Allen Robinson, but I really like Robert Woods in uh kind of that Sean McVay offense. Not sure if they're gonna try to bring Odell back. He still hasn't signed anywhere. I think but, Odell's feelings are kind of hurt too, right? <laughs> I would think so. Um, but I guess we'll just we'll just have to see because I think them trading Robert Woods 
helps Odell's case first thing in LA. Um, but I mean, he has a ring now. He, you know, he has money. He's gonna make money from endorsements wherever he goes. It's not like he has to be in LA. Um, but we'll see. And then, of course, Juju went to the Chiefs. <laughs> this is a big one for social media, man. Oh, God. huge for TikTok. Huge for TikTok. You got two of the most popular sport. I can't even call Jackson Mahomes a sports TikTok creator. He's like affiliated with Patrick Mahomes, I guess. Um, but yeah, Juju to the Chiefs. Dude, I don't, I want to cheer for Juju so bad. But I see the TikToks. I just can't do it, man. Um, well, Andy Reid should have fun with that. And then let's see. Matt Stafford, no surprise here, signed four-year extension, I think. Um, so he, he's going to be sticking around in L.A. So those, I mean, that that's a lot of trades and uh, transactions that happen. But you know what, Matt? I... I really want you to get into your stuff. So uh, if you don't have any comments on the other stuff, why don't you go ahead and uh, let out some of the frustrations that you've been holding? Well, I'll try to be a positive fan first. And I'll start off with this. I am so happy Connor Williams is going to Miami. I got to give a round of applause. That's a great, great signing by the Dolphins. Great job. Okay. You know... Penalties can be corrected. So, yeah, but when but you got to be a special talent to lead the league in penalties as an individual. I mean, as a team, we were very undisciplined. But who was the guy that was like the head of the snake in that category? We just lost them. So, Tua have fun with twelve holding penalties every game, with half of them coming from him. So. I will not be missing you, Connor Williams, but I'm happy that you still have a job, which is kind of surprising. But, you know, I think the big one that everyone was talking about was the Randy Gregory fallout. So initially there were reports that Gregory resigned and the Cowboys actually tweeted that out on their official page. And then, you know, a few minutes later, he decides to go to Denver and I'm like, what the heck? Like, what is going on? So I don't even know what to think at first. I was just kind of like, wow, like, that's just so unheard of. But I think the more that I was kind of looking at it, I wasn't too upset with Jerry on this one. Because it was stated that the dispute was over kind of language in the contract. And Gregory felt that, you know, he was kind of disrespectful to include that. But, you know, there was reports saying that a lot of the players have that type of verbiage in their contract. You know, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin are to name a few. And they're, you know, obviously core pieces to the team. And I think the only one that didn't have that was uh, Dak Prescott. So I didn't feel that. You know, it was like out of the norm. If the Cowboys are doing this for all their players, or at least most of them, then, you know, I'm sure Randy's going to hear it from, you know, the other guys that are signing that, hey, like this is probably in contract, you know, look out for that. But I don't really blame Jerry because Gregory has had, you know, some issues off the field. And 
you know, to Jerry's credit, he stuck with him. He gave him a chance and he kept believing in him. And, you know, the payout really was the reward from last season. So, I mean, to me, I was kind of more upset with Gregory just because, you know, Jerry kind of really took care of him and believed in him when nobody really did. You know, he was probably going to be an undrafted free agent and he would have, who knows if where your career goes from there, but Jerry took a chance on him in the second round. And, you know, even through his dark times, he stuck with him. And I think Gregory for just to, to just fall out just because of that to me, it was kind of, you know, it kind of hurt. And it's like, what's the big deal, right? Just don't do anything stupid and you're going to get your money. Like, what's the big deal? That language shouldn't mean anything to me. So I was kind of hurt, but you know what? I was kind of happy because I thought that was kind of expensive to pay for Randy Gregory. And I was like, okay, like we can get Wagner. We can get Wagner. Oh, man. We can get Wagner. And who do we get instead? We overpay for Dorrance Armstrong. I'm like, what are you doing? Nobody's going to sign him. <laughs> so you pay him two years, 14 million. That is way overpriced. I don't even know who you... that is. Exactly. But he's, he's, like, he's, I liked him. I actually do like him, but I just think they didn't have to overpay him that much then they end up re-signing vander esch which is actually kind of shocking one year three-year deal i was like okay that's a you know bargain deal but the the last two just kind of like it's just so demoralizing i mean they signed james washington the former Steeler receiver another one-year deal and then they signed dante fowler i'm like what the heck dante fowler what is he I don't know. He's getting up there, but he did play with Quinn for the Falcons. So there's some familiarity there. But the thing that's so frustrating, it's like Dallas cuts Amari Cooper. They cut or they trade, excuse me, they trade Amari Cooper. They cut Lyle Collins. They're clearing all this cap space, you know, got a lot to spend and they, they spend pennies. It's that you have all this money, Jerry, and you don't do shit with it. You don't do anything with it. You can get Bobby Wagner, who I still think you need to get on this team. He's the guy that will only replace that Amari Cooper loss. I'm sorry. I'm not over that trade still. Because if you, we could have afforded him. Not, we could have kept him with all this money that we left. And now, now we got to go draft a receiver, possibly mm-hmm. in the draft. And I, there's just no... There's no goal in what Dallas is doing. I just, just, they're just kind of like finding, oh, this, this guy is kind of cheap and, you know, he's got some talent, so we'll take him. So you're trying to find pennies and I'll kind of get into this with the Yankees too, because gosh, they think the same. It's kind of scary. But I just think when you have Green Bay, and I think we'll talk about this later too, you know, they lose their best receiver. Tom Brady comes back, but all these guys, you know, they're, getting traded or they're probably not going to resign you know russell wilson leaves the division you know they're all these teams are getting weaker and she is wide open you know exactly and you have an opportunity to get players and get significantly better and you choose to almost get worse or to kind of do exactly what the others are doing you're not taking that opportunity that's literally being handed to you to take a stranglehold of the division and the conference. And, you know, it's just, it's a really 
truly disappointing time to be a Cowboy fan. So I'm still crossing my fingers that Bobby Wagner will end up here, but you know, at this rate, I have no idea. It's just a tough time right now. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the Bobby Wagner thing can definitely salvage your your off season. Um, but I'm the thing I don't get is the blind trust in it seems like CD now because um, you're not gonna have Gallup, right? Or do they say he's gonna be back in time? He's trying know. to, but the the odds are slim, so mm-hmm. he's probably gonna miss you know a few games to start the year. Right, and now no Cedric Wilson, who I like. I know, I know you like Cedric Wilson too. I he's did a like solid. Him. He's a solid piece going to Miami. I just think, kind of the biggest insult. Maybe it's a it was a contract thing, but you know, for the Rams to trade away Robert Woods for a sixth round pick, and Dallas didn't feel like they needed to go try get him. I don't know. Um, maybe, I mean, I could get, yeah, he's hurt and everything, but like you were saying, the NFC is so wide open right now. I think it's between two teams. It's gotta be the Rams and the Bucks. You know, I mean, Green Bay lost Devontae. That's a huge loss. You know, their offense is not going to be the same. Um, I mean, they'll still be up there. You know, the Niners are obviously formidable as well. And then Dallas, I think that's the, the five teams in, in the NFC, everyone, it's it's such a top-heavy division uh, this year. And so you see everyone else loading up, and Dallas is kind of, like you were saying, just kind of picking up these guys here and there uh, for cheap. So, yeah, that must be pr- pretty frustrating for you. Sorry, bud. Um, well, let's – okay, well, yeah, the Cowboys stuff – Let's get into the big shocking news, uh, kind of you know, of the week. Deshaun Watson's going to the Browns, dude. What? I couldn't even that believe. Got to be the craziest contract I've ever seen. I okay, mean... five years, two hundred thirty million dollars, guaranteed money for everything that he's going on. Like that's going on with him right now. He could still easily get suspended, right? Like you, like you said, he could still easily get suspended by the NFL. You know, even if he clears all the legal allegations, um, he could easily still get suspended by the NFL, and and the Browns are stuck because they have no one. <laughs> they traded away their entire draft capital mm-hmm. too. So, I mean, maybe Cleveland just finally said, "We're so close." This is the closest we've ever been to, you know, having a team this good. All we need is the right quarterback. So I respect the move by them football-wise because Deshaun Watson puts them and that team now with Amari, you know, they got the running game. I know they lost a couple tight ends, but they still got Njoku. That defense is legit. They're they're poised, you know, like to make a to make a run in the AFC. So I respect the move football-wise. I can't believe Deshaun agreed to go to Cleveland. Um, because you know, he told them basically, right, that they were out. And then the next day, all the tweets start dropping and it's chaos in the in the AFC. So that makes 
the top two teams are divisions, I guess, in football now. The AFC West and now the AFC North. You know, the West has Mahomes, Herbert, Wilson, even Derek Carr is no joke. And then there's, you know, oh, sorry, uh, the AFC North with uh, Jackson, Burrow, and now Watson. And, of course, I mean, Mitch Trubisky. You got to shout out Mitch, right? Um, but those are – you got to figure out of those, I mean – I don't want to count out the Steelers because you can never really count out the Steelers. But with the set between those seven quarterbacks, you're telling me what? How many of them are not going to make it? I can't do math. One, two of them, right? At least two of them are not going to make it. So that's tough. I don't. AFC is loaded. I don't. Um, so that was Deshaun, and then obviously Devontae Adams going over to Vegas, just loading up the AFC even more. His contract is ridiculous 28 and a half mil a year for five years for a wide receiver. But he wants to go play with Derek Carr, and the Packers offered him more money than that to stay. So, my question is, how much money do the Packers have? I thought they were like broke or they were yeah. under the cap i don't know but if it was more than 20 and a half mil and he said no he must really want to play in vegas with Derek carr um i don't think it had anything to do with like the rogers adams relationship but it's obviously a big loss for packers fans right because now Who's wide receiver one? I think they only have Lazard under contract. Or they brought back Cobb, too. So it's Lazard and Cobb. MVS is the free agent. I think Brown signed with... I forget who. He's gone. So Rogers is going to be throwing to his backs. Aaron Jones. I like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon for fantasy this year. Got uh, to throw that out there. But... Man, just just a crazy week. I gotta um, say though, I think I think the Raiders receiving core is pretty nice right oh, now. Yeah, they got Waller and uh, what you call Devante, and then Renfro in the slot. Renfro in the slot. That's a nice three. And Jacobs is Jacobs. That's a scary team. Do they solid? Do they get their head coach yet? Forget. Yeah, they got McDaniel's. Oh, Josh McDaniel. That's right. With his offense too. Oof. But he was only good with Brady. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. I, I, I like Josh McDaniels, but with that kind of talent, uh, they brought back Max Crosby. Now they got Challenge Jones. Oof. The Raiders, scary. man. The Raiders are a scary team. Um, I don't know how the, this affects Rodgers. Do you think he retires? <laughs> you think he would retire? Because he said he didn't want to rebuild, right? And they couldn't keep Devontae. Are they going to get Odell? Or are they going to get Julio? I don't think he's going to retire yet. I don't see him playing his four. What is it? He has four years on his contract now? Three years. Three years? If they if they underperform this year, I think things could start hanging up. I still think they're going to win the division, though. So that's always a 
good fallback to have. You're going to win a division yeah. and you get a home playoff game. I don't think Minnesota is going to beat them. Or Chicago. And then the, the Lions and Bears are just too young right now. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. I don't... Do the Browns win the division now over Lamar and Joe Burrow? I think so. I think, think they so? have the best team. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Something about the Ravens, man. I think they're they well, they're obviously the best coach. I think team. they're gonna. I think I think they're gonna come back for some revenge this year. Yeah, get all their backs, get everyone healthy. They were really hurt. They had last year. no one on the on their team, and they're mm-hmm. you know down to the last week trying to make a playoff. Even spot, Tyler so. Tyler Huntley was. Was balling out, man. Lamar be the best playing. best backup quarterback in the league. Yeah, um, yeah. I I like Tomlin too, but I just don't think he has the players right now on offense. I don't. I am not a Trubisky believer. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but he's got to be the worst quarterback in that division by far now. So we'll I think see. Pittsburgh is going to be good, you know. Because do you think really? Trubisky? But do you think? But I don't think Ben last year is as good as Trubisky is right now. I don't like if, Trubisky. If they made the, the playoffs, yeah, but he can run though. Yeah, I guess he can run, but <laughs> you just run him into the ground, and if he gets hurt, <laughs> he gets hurt. Just use him out for two years. <laughs> just read options left and right. Quarterback Go full draws. L- Lamar Lamar Jackson as rookie Lamar year. Ball. Like just run. <laughs> So, man, I mean, you can't count out the Bengals, obviously. They earned everyone's respect last year with that offense. Now they're protecting Joe, so they should be even better. Baltimore is going to be good. The Browns are there. Man, I don't I, – the AFC is going to be, like, must-see TV at all times now. Um. And then there's the Bills and the AFC East and then everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus, they got Von Miller now. They kind of gave him a lot of money. Five-year deal, 100-plus mil. I don't know. I don't know if I saw enough from Von this year to warrant that kind of money, but they're... Surprised he's, choos- he's basically choosing to live in Buffalo mm-hmm. than sunny LA, which is... Yeah. I can't believe it, but well, he got the bag. So what yeah, is he, he got the bag. About he got two rings, and he's getting paid again at whatever thirty plus years old as a defensive edge. So good for Vaughn. Um, I like. I kind of like Miami's move. I gotta say, they picked up Mostert. Me too. I'm. I love their moves. They helped my team a lot. Trust me. They did some great things. Just watch when uh, Connor Williams has the least amount of penalties in the NFL this season. And Mostert's running, running crazy in Mike McDaniel's scheme. And then you're going to be, you're going to be all sick because the Cowboys are going to be nine and eight again, but that's still going to be good enough to win the division because the commanders have Carson Wentz. So I would, I don't know why you're, you're gloating so much there, but um, 
That's the one time I say a loss is a gain for us. Oh, man. Dude. I'm still waiting for Marcus to sign, too. Why hasn't he signed yet? I, I thought... Marcus to Seattle? Are you still on that? He's going to Seattle. Where else is he going to go? I think Seattle oh, is the... Now, Baker Baker is talks in some trades, right? I think Baker's going to end up in Indy. I think Jameis is going to re-sign with New Orleans. Uh, Matt Ryan, maybe he goes to the Colts. Doesn't matter. Either way, there are still teams that need a free agent quarterback. Um, Seattle being one of them. Unless they're going to stick with Drew Locke. But there's nowhere else for Marcus to go, I think. So I kind of just want him to hurry up and sign with Seattle. I thought everyone was waiting for Deshaun, the Deshaun stuff. And that's happened. And we've still heard nothing. So I'm thinking this week something's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe the but next domino is Baker right now. I guess Baker's the next one. Everybody knows that they're trying to get rid of him. Uh-huh. Well, they have to dump him. They're not going to keep him on on the roster, but just who's going to take them? <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll keep them just in case Deshaun gets suspended. <laughs> not even that's, what you, to practice, that's what you man. call a fallout plan right there. That's a plan B. <laughs> that, he's not even going to show up. But, you know, you just got to say one thing about the Baker thing. All these Deshaun Watson rumors that started in the past month, you know, got to say Tua had been de- dealing with that all year last year. Didn't hear Tua complain once about it. You know, Baker gets thrown in the spotlight. He has a little tantrum. Just going to say it because it's true. Couldn't handle it. He can't face criticism. He's so bad. Um, You know, maybe he'll just go full-time with progressive. I don't know, Baker. You go figure it out. Anyway, going to be a fun NFL season. I'm really excited. I think that's enough football. Look at modern football. You go with that? Yeah. Yeah. We covered right. everything. Yeah, we, we covered everything. So why don't you go lead us into baseball? All righty. So I mean, let me let me start with the Yankees because I I've, I got a lot to say here. <laughs> this is this is this is the frustrating part to me. So over the weekend, uh, Carlos Correa finally signs, you know, his big contract, big contract with the twins. And I kind of just sat there and I was like the twins, but the more, the more I thought about it, the more I realized how stupid Brian Cashman is. So let, let's let's kind of go back to what the Yankees needed at the start of free agency. They needed a shortstop and a first baseman on the field. And obviously, you know, everyone needs pitching. But shortstop and first base. So they start off with, you know, getting a shortstop. So they trade for Isaiah Kainer-Falefa, who's actually playing pretty well right now. You know, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. And Josh Donaldson. And Ben Rodovert, I think is that's his name, catcher, from the Twins, uh, for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. 
Now, the big thing in here was Josh Donaldson because Josh Donaldson had a pretty sizable contract. I think it was two years, about $54 million. Yankees have to pay all of that now. So doing the math, that's about $27 million per year. So, okay, I'm like, you know, at the time, trade's okay. I think we're better. But then now I see Correa's contract. And he signs with the Twins. So he basically, the Yankees gave the Twins the opportunity to pay for Carlos Correa by taking on this contract from Donaldson. Right. And looking at the, the numbers, so Correa signs for three years and around $105 million. So the math says it's about $35-ish million per year. $35 million per year. So you're telling me Brian Cashman wasn't willing to spend eight million more dollars, seven or eight million more dollars to get a guy who is in his prime and the best free agent out there versus getting a 36 year old who is out of his prime. But you're just paying eight million more. I just I don't get it. I really don't. If you're the Yankees, you're the big market team, you know. What do the Yankees do? They get the big free agent and they give them the contract. It's eight million more, Cashman. We can make eight million in one game. That's literally not we're gonna get that money back. And it's like you can't use this other excuse. So, you know, I also saw that the report said, you know, the Yankees didn't want to, you know, get attached to a, a long deal with the shortstop. But okay, that's okay. So fine. They want to stick with that plan. Correa has a contract for three years with an opt-out after each year. So basically you can sign him. He can possibly be on the team for one year and then leave. That's, that's literally the perfect contract you could have got right there. He, he should be in pinstripes right now. Three years. In three years, I would expect Anthony Volpe, who they're waiting on, to be ready. He has three years to get ready, and that would have been ideal. But no, no, you botched the shortstop. You could have had Correa for only $8 million more. What is $8 million to the New York Yankees? I just don't get it. And then you go to the first base side. So first baseman, obviously a big need, and, you know, the big market guy was Freddie Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> so <We> Freddie. <laughs> so obviously, you know, Freddie Freeman kind of dictates the market. And the Yankees were considering him. Obviously, Anthony Rizzo, who they signed back, and Matt Olson, who is traded to the Braves. So Olson, you know, obviously being under contract would require some prospects to be thrown in. Yankees didn't want to go down that route, which I was okay with. You know, so now you're kind of down to Rizzo or Freeman. And it's the same thing. They, they just didn't want to pay Freeman. But the thing I, I, I don't understand is they took themselves out of the running, like by themselves. Because they signed Rizzo before before Freeman signed. Yep. So why why do you sign Rizzo now or then when you don't know where Freeman's gonna go? Rizzo 
three wins going to the Dodgers, man. <laughs> but the, nobody knows that. They didn't know that. But my thing is, why don't you wait until Freeman makes a decision? You basically took yourself out of the running for him early. Because I didn't hear anything about Anthony Rizzo. Oh, he's going to go to he's going to go to Boston. He's going to go Toronto. He's going to go LA. It was, you know, well, if the Yankees don't get Freeman, he's they're probably going to get Rizzo. That was literally you you have that in your back pocket. And I just don't understand why you take yourself out of getting someone better, you know, that quickly. And I think that's just, that's just poor, poor management, poor management. Unless they valued Rizzo over Freeman for whatever reason. Right. I mean, that's not what I heard because they liked Freeman. They thought they just felt that they were at a disadvantage in terms of geography you know, being Freeman from LA. So, but you don't even give yourself a chance at that point. You basically said, I throw in the towel and now it's up to the Dodgers or the Red Sox. The big dogs now, Matt. Honestly, they are. That are buying up everyone. And that makes me upset. That makes me upset because that's what the Yankees were my entire life, especially with Steinbrenner, the boss. Mm-hmm. Hal, you are a wimp. You are soft, dude. You, you, don't, you don't care about winning as much as George did. I'm sorry. Jerry, Jerry Jones, Hal Steinbrenner, and Brian Cashman will be the death of me, I swear. They are driving me insane. I'm sorry. that I had to go on a rant. I'm good now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously... I knew the Dodgers had a chance at Freeman, right? But I really thought there's no way Atlanta doesn't re-sign him because he's been that guy for Atlanta. You know, his he's been Mr. Atlanta pretty much since he started playing for them. So when they traded for Olsen, obviously that's the sign. Okay, well, who cares? Whatever. They're moving on from Freeman. I don't know. They don't want to pay him. I don't know what Atlanta's cap, you know, looks like. Uh, I mean, Olsen's no joke, obviously, but I'd rather have have Freddie. Um, I just think he's a little more consistent with the bat. But so then, obviously, you know, we have a shot. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting excited. He's from LA, you know. He can come on home. We, you know, he he wants to win. He's a winner too, obviously. Our team gives him the chance to win now. And once I saw Rizzo went back to New York, I'm like, there's no way we don't get him now. Um, right? Because, I mean, like you're saying, I don't – maybe they just got scared. Maybe – you know, you never know. Maybe Rizzo told him something like, hey, if you don't sign me soon, like, I'm not signing with you. And then if they don't get Freeman, they're stuck with no one kind of thing. That's the thing I was thinking about, but they have they had at the time they had Luke Voigt still, mm-hmm. and you have Lemayhu, so you got two guys that are quality bat hitters that can play first. That's literally your worst options, but it's pretty good worst options to me. Right. So why not why not give yourself a chance for the prize? I just don't get it. Yeah, that's but true. you know what you got Freeman hopefully. Yeah, whatever. I'll get over it. Let me it. just let me just probably read not. Out, but can I just read out our projected starting nine? Uh, 
for opening day, Matt. So yeah, go for it. The Dodgers starting nine will have Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Justin Turner, Max Muncie. Who am I missing? Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, and AJ Pollock. So you're basically throwing out the National League All-Star team. We have the All-Star team as our Dave Roberts is managing the All-Star team this year. He's going to manage it for like 83 games though at home because the All-Star game is in LA this year. And now I'm not even being biased. We might have five All-Star starters that are Dodgers this year. Um so I'm feeling really good. We did lose a lot of pitching. Kind of scared. Uh, our bullpen definitely got weaker. You know, we lost Kenley. We lost uh, Knable. And we lost Joe Kelly. We still got Trinan. We still got Grouderall. You know, uh, so we still got some arms. I'm a little nervous, but I'm just hoping that that those nine guys uh, are all healthy come playoff time. And we can just out-hit everybody. So... I this is probably the most stacked baseball team on paper that I can think of. Um, I think eight of the nine have played in an all-star game so far, which is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I mean, AJ Pollock's our ninth projected ninth batter right now. Even Chris Taylor are projected eighth all-stars. So it's like kind of ridiculous. Um, but I'm super stoked, obviously. I need to get some jerseys this year, man, because... You know, I think the Dodgers right now, I think, you know, they'll probably be the number one seed come playoff time. But I kind of like what the Braves did. It was really, you know, it looked ugly with the way they lost Freeman. But Olsen, you know, he's a good player. And the Braves, you know, getting Kenley, I think... Anytime you add pitching and you take it away from your possible opponent, like that is sneaky. That's a sneaky move right there. And, and Acuna is coming back. Yeah. I mean, the Braves are still, no, the Braves are still good. Giants got Rodon. um, That's a good sign. They lost Chris Bryant. Yeah. yeah, And they got Jock. How can Jock go? How can he go to the Giants, man? (laughs) Jock Tolba. Come on, Jock. Whatever. Ah, that's gonna be hard. Uh, that's gonna be a tough one to see. Him in him in the bay. Ugh. It just makes me sick thinking about it, honestly. But they did lose Chris Bryant to uh the Rockies. So I mean, Chris, I you just want to get paid, right? I don't think he cares about winning <laughs> at this point. He got a ring already. Yeah, he got his ring. Time to go get paid. He'll hit a lot of home runs up there at home. Right? Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna look good. Right? Stat pad, get paid. You know, live up in that those Rocky Mountains. Go not live bad with Russell life. Wilson. Yeah, it's not a bad life. I wouldn't mind that. Um, I must say though, you know, as frustrating as your front office is, imagine being an Oakland A's fan. Man, how? I get there's a small market team, but I don't know if it's going to be a change of ownership 
or relocating the team. But Las Vegas. <laughs> they have, I mean, or even Portland, right? Um, they have no market. And they have no, they can't hold these prospects that they home grow themselves, right? Like, that's just the Oakland way, I guess. Like, win with the guys that are not, you know, big names yet. And once they become big names, trade them away for more prospects. And that's just, like, I feel so bad because, you know, there's literally, and then there's literally teams like the the Yankees of old and the Dodgers now that are just say, oh, you know, how much money do you want to get paid? Yeah, sure, we'll pay it. Come on over. And they're just, you know, like I would feel so helpless as an A's fan to not be able to get or just even hold, you know, these these guys. But you know, I mean, if Chapman, I was the A's, if I was an oh one second, I want to say something. If I was the A's, they should hire someone from the Rays for an office. Maybe follow what they're doing. They're doing something right down in Tampa. They're competing. Oh, yeah. They went to the World Series a couple years ago. Maybe look into Tampa. You know, they're a pretty small market too. You just want them to poach whoever it is in Tampa so you don't have to worry about the well, rest of your I division. Did, I did not say that. I'm That's looking what, out for the I'm no, looking no, out no. for the A's. You don't give up. You don't you do not care Oakland, about A's. Fans. Oakland, I'm trying to help you guys. No, man. you do not. Listen to me. Stop trying to act like you care about Oakland, Matt. That's just rude. You're just being selfish, and you know, because you know you have possibly the worst team in the division. <laughs> like you, I think you do. You know, the Red Sox got Trevor Story, so they loaded up even more. Chapman went to the Blue Jays, and they got uh, Kikuchi from Seattle, so they're loading up. Vladdy is going to be an MVP candidate all year, and Tampa Bay is going to do Tampa Bay things. So the AL East is once again going to be, you know, super close race. And uh, we're looking on paper. Where do the Yankees fall in the East, Matt? I don't know. Can you confidently say they're not the last place team in that division? Yes, because I'm thinking they're going to beat the Orioles, right? Oh, you're right. See, I don't even care. They're so irrelevant. I forgot they were a team. You're right. All right. But, but that's with still the new, with the with the new format this year in the playoffs, you get more teams in. And as long as you get in, I would think Garrett Cole would be pitching and I would hope he would redeem himself from his awful performance last year. Yeah. So, oh man. Just gotta get in. Yeah, honestly, the AL East, you know, it's a that. bloodbath. That's yeah. like the AL, the AFC West. Yeah, it's stacked. Man, I, I mean, Wade doesn't think the White Sox are going to be as good. I still think it's hard to write them off with with the talent they have. They did lose Rodon though. It's a big. That's a big loss for them. But I still think they easily win the Central. Um, yeah, there's no one in that division that would keep up with them. Yeah. It's like even in the the NL Central, it's like man, you know they're like Brewers are gonna be solid, obviously, but it's like can they compete with, you know, like the firepower of the rest of the league when it comes to the play? Ah, I mean they got Burns you know and Woodruff, right? But yeah, 
you know what you know what team was making some interesting moves this offseason too was the Phillies. They added some pop in their lineup. They got Schwarber and they got Castellanos. Mm-hmm. I mean, on paper, I mean, it might not be the Dodger lineup, but it looks pretty potent. Yeah. You got Schwarber, Harper, Castellanos, That's- Rio Muto as yeah. a catching hitting catcher. Uh, who else did they got? They got somebody else too. Can't remember his name. Reese Hoskins. Oh yeah, good Hoskins. hitter. Yeah, they got some players. Plus they got you know they got some pitching too. So, but the Phillies they always they've been spending big and they just I don't know they just don't come together. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I just I'm excited for baseball to come back. Oh, all oh. right. Well. That's a very part. interesting, interesting MLB offseason so far. Yeah. Let's see how how it all plays out. Um, do you want to do you want to give your top five then? Your way too early top five. Whew. All right, my early top five. I will say. I might have to work back. I'm gonna go one to five. It's a little easier, I think. All right. I think right now, unfortunately, the Dodgers. Yeah. I just wanted to hear you say that. <laughs> that really pains me to say that. Number two, I would probably say the Braves. I think the Braves are up there. Three, I would go with. Wow, that's a tough one. I would go with the Blue Jays. I think they're kind of scary. Number four. Wow, this is a tough one. Who did I say? I'm going to go what about the Giants. I'm going to go with the Giants. They deserve some respect there. Number five. Shout out to the Yankees. I still believe in you guys. No, you know, no, on paper, so we, we no can do shot. it. There's we, no shot you think they're a top we, five team. We do. Oh, we do. my. On paper. This is on paper now. This is on paper. All right, fine. Whatever, on paper, whatever. All right, what's yours then? Okay, wait, sorry. One more time, what was yours? You got Dodgers. Dodgers at one, Braves at two. Uh, Braves at two. I said the Blue Jays at three, the Giants at four, and the Yankees at five. All right, well... Obviously, I'm going to go Dodgers first because that's the right answer. Bias. They are the Bias. best team in baseball. They have nine All-Stars, Matt. Come on. Um, do I like Atlanta at number two? Yeah, when everyone's healthy, it's going to be... It's going to be hard to sleep on Atlanta. Uh I still like... The White Sox at two. Um, I know a lot of teams made a lot of other moves, but I like the White Sox at two. Then I'll go Atlanta. Then I'll go... It's hard to not put the Giants. I hate the Giants, but I have the Giants at four. And then I think I have... It's either Boston or Tampa Bay. I think Boston at five on paper. Ugh, gross. Yankees are at seven. Maybe. Thank God the Houston. I th- I just hope Houston sucks this year without Correa. 
They don't, I don't I don't fear them. They do have Vern on their back though. Yeah, it's gonna be big. All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. a lot. We got our guests coming up next. Yep. We'll transition over to our next segment with Hunter. So thanks everyone, and stick around for that. All right, guys, we're back from our little break here. And our fan actually had to step away. So it'll be just the fanatic doing this portion of the interview. But don't worry, I will not be alone as we have a guest joining today. And I'm really excited about this one. You know, this guy is probably UH's number one fan supporter, at least that I know. And you know, probably the best catcher that I've ever played with when I played baseball. So, Hunter, welcome to the Fan and the Fanatic. Hey, thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, that was really exciting. I've, I've heard a lot of the show, the podcast, and um, just an honor to be on the, on the podcast for this week. Yeah, you're the first Mililani alum we've had, so you're making history right here. All right, Hunter, but, you know, okay, let's get perfect. down to business. <laughs> let's get down to business. So we all know that, you know, we're going to talk about UH with you on the on the call today. So obviously the UH basketball season just wrapped up uh, with the University of Hawaii men's team losing to Cal State Fullerton in their Big West semifinals match. Um, so, you know, obviously UH had a very tough season, had a lot of adversity. Uh, but what was your kind of initial take on maybe the Cal State Fullerton game to start? Well, that Cal State Fullerton game in the semifinals, it was a little hard to watch. Um, I'm not too sure if the team was just fatigued, um, but they did not look well in sync. Um, a lot of lazy passes, um, unforced turnovers on Hawaii's on Hawaii's part, and I think that ultimately led to um, their defeat because of the sloppiness or the carelessness of the ball. And, you know, I think that with the team that they had this year, they could have easily had a, a run to the championship. Um, but um, throughout the whole season, there were injuries preventing that from happening. And, I mean, we have to do what we, got, we, we have with. But um, I think that that game, it could have been a lot better uh, when it comes to turnovers, um, points in the paint. There was a lot of three-point shooting, um, as there has been all season. But I think we're just missing that key key player to have that um, down-low presence because when we're not on a three-point game, then we're going to be really struggling. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's the a recap for that floating game yeah i think when because i was watching the whole game too and you know it was kind of sad to say but mate colina was the best player on the floor that game and when he's the best player on the floor i think uh is in trouble because he shouldn't be the guy carrying the offense because i noticed yeah. they were they were running the offensive sets through him like he was kind of the guy you know making the play in the post either trying to make it a basket or 
you know, he was the guy kicking it out to the open shooter. So I just don't think that's a recipe for success, relying on, you know, a big that's not used to, to, you know, carrying the load, you say. So I think, you know, what you said about, you know, getting a consistent big presence inside, you know, I think that's what they've missed a lot this year. But also, you know, for me, and if you've listened to um, our podcast, you know, previously, I, I really call out one guy in particular. And I don't know if it's because our dads are just like brainwashing us, but, um, you know, I've been pretty critical of Jovan McClanahan's play, especially as the point guard. And the one thing I said about him that I want to see more is a little more aggression and playing with pace. You know, there's a lot of times where he played, and especially in this Fullerton game too, you know, when your team is not hitting their shots from the outside, you know, you want to try to find ways to get easy baskets. And playing with pace on fast breaks is what he is awful at, I would say, this year. So I want to get your take on, you know, the point guard play this year, because I think that's been a huge, you know, reason for their lack of success this year. Yeah, and I and I agree 100% with, with what you said about uh, the point guard play this year. Uh, with Jovan, he has his ups and downs. Um, you know, earlier in the season in Big West play, I think he had a very high percentage in the three-point category. But, I mean, that can only carry for so far, right? Um, and the position that he's in, the point guard position, he needs to create the play. He needs to um, allow others to get open. Then... Unfortunately, that's not what happened this season. He would have a lot of stalled plays. Uh, he'd stop his dribble. And I think for Jovan, his issue would be his careless passes and uh, lack of vision in the point guard position. And so, you know, when it comes to point guards in the past, Hawaii has had a few good ones. I um, mean, Roderick Bobbitt, uh, even Maya Ostrowski. And uh, I think this, this year... We, we struggled in the position, and that's what kind of led us to um, struggles offensively uh, with not having much open shots, um, create creative plays and whatnot. So I think Jovan, he has a lot of work to do in the offseason. Um, and, of course, there will be a lot of competition for next year's starting spot. Um, I think with uh, next year, we have Juan Munez. He was injured this year. He's transferred from Longwood University. Um, he has a very high percentage three-pointers last year at Longwood. I think he shot around 40% from three-point range, which is very high. Um, and he's a true point guard. I'm looking forward to his contributions next season. Um, and then we have Juan. We have Javon coming back. And then a guy that our dads love the most, Justice Jackson. <laughs> Justice Jackson, he, he has... Uh, he was a mid-year transfer, actually. He, he joined the squad for Hawaii in December, right before the Diamond Classic. So he came straight from um, a preparatory school, high school in, not too sure where he's from, but um, he joined mid-year. He did see some action later on during the season, especially when uh, we had injuries to Noel Coleman um, at, the, at the guard position. So yeah, Justice came in and he showed, I think he showed some signs of potential. Uh, he looked to be more aggressive, um, more relaxed in the position than what you may see out of Jovan. Um, so that kind of led to some 
some drives and kickouts, and he also shot the three as well. And so I'm kind of looking forward to Justice Jackson in the future and hoping that he can provide that spark that we need at the, the point guard play. Yeah, I think one thing you mentioned about Jackson is he kind of brings that electricity to the floor. And I think that's something that UH really lacked this year. And they've kind of really lacked that since their last tournament team with Bobbitt, Yanks, guys who played with a lot of swagger. So, you know, obviously our dads, you know, huge Justice Jackson fans, but, um, you know, kind of siding with them and their take, I know it's kind of biased for the wrong reasons, but, you know, I do think that he does provide that, that innate ability of a point guard to kind of run the offense and create shots. And I think, you know, Jovan, he just doesn't have that in him. And, you know, people, anything even Ganat says too, like, oh, you know, Jovan does a great job. And Gary Dickman says this on the radio show too. He's like, you know, he's doing what he's asked to do. But to me as a point guard, you know, you're, you're the, you're the guy, you're the quarterback of the team. You know, you control everything, you set the tone. And, you know, if you play with a guy who's setting the tone to be slow and to play passive, I just think that that's just how the whole team's going to feed off. And kind of in the, especially the second game against Cal State Fullerton, which they lost, you know, they really miss that creative playmaking ability. All right. Yeah, so I think, um, sorry, just to add on to that, uh, you'd also see like junior Madut running the point guard position because um, of the lack of whatever you call it, that Jovan um, did not provide during those, during his position. And I think, yeah, this hoping for next year that we can actually have a true point guard that can help lead the team uh, and hopefully score more points and lead to more victories overall. Yeah, you also mentioned too that Noel Coleman got injured. And I think over the course of that season too, as we're kind of transitioning maybe away from the Big West tournament, but kind of more to a whole season recap right now. But Noel Coleman's injury, you know, kind of late in the regular season, that was a huge blow to the team. Uh, what kind of impact do you think that Noel Coleman had on this team, especially, you know, with that hot start in conference play? Because he was kind of, he was kind of struggling at one point, but, you know, he's kind of the, the focal point of the offense. Yeah, I think Noel, he's great for the team. And um, really, he's the offense. When he's playing, Hawaii scores in numbers um you know not, not only him he finds he gives the ball to others uh, whether it be mate junior for the three-pointer um, he creates openings because everyone is drawn to noel and so when he drives they all go to him and there's always going to be somebody open and so i think without him for the last uh, the last stretch of the big west play it kind of really took a toll on us um we definitely missed his presence and if we had we had Noel in the lineup, I definitely think that the outcome of the Big West, the re the final stretch of the Big West season, as well as the tournament, would have played out differently. Um, and that's how strongly I believe that Noel um, definitely helps this team. Um, so I hope that he comes back next year, and you know improves on his his craft, his game. Um, and then, yeah, I think he'll be a definite big provider for us. But to answer your question, uh, Noel was a key contributor.
to the team. <clears throat> Whether he can shoot the three, he can drive, um, and he creates his own shot. I'm not too sure if you've seen a lot of the games. I'm sure you've, oh, we went to a lot of home games, but um, on the, even on the road games too, he would create his own shot, step back three pointers. Um, and that's something that you don't see a lot with the current roster that we have, unfortunately. Um, and that's something that we missed a lot uh, due to injuries, of course, but it is what it is. And we hope to have him back next year. Yeah. So I guess as we transition to next season, so one of the key players that UH didn't have this year, but is coming back for his senior year next year is Samuta Avea. So I think, you know, going into this year before he got injured, he was probably the best player on paper and kind of the face of the team. Yeah. So looking forward to next year, how do you think he's going to kind of gel with Noel Coleman, especially, especially because Noel Coleman was kind of the scorer. So obviously, you know, guys who score a lot, you know, you have to make that adjustment to kind of sacrifice. And especially with Ovea coming back, how do you think those two are going to mesh playing together? Well, I think they'll, they'll mesh great. Um, and they'll be like a great one-two combo together. Uh, Ovea is more of a slasher kind of position player where he can drive, but he can also shoot the ball. Um, so he's definitely hard to uh, guard because you never know what he may he may do. He may slam it on you um, or you can pull up for the three. And Samuta, he's, he's been out for the past few years. Um, I think the, the 2019 season, um, he took the COVID year. Or he took the leave of absence. Twenty or not? Sorry, it's twenty twenty. Twenty twenty one. He decided to opt out again, and then he was also injured. So, looking forward to his return in 2022, 2023 season. Um, a lot of hope for him because you know he's had a lot of time to work on his game, and when he did his last time, the last time that he played in the Stan Sheriff Center for UH. Uh, he actually had a, a pretty good year. Um, as far as I can remember, he hit a few buzzer beaters against Davis. Um, and yeah, just I think we missed his athleticism. For this year, I think Junior Madut was the only player that could really have that athletic ability to go up and get the ball. Um, but Samuta will also provide that when he returns. So I think with Samuta, Noel, uh, the transfer from Longwood, uh, Juan Munez, I think we'll have a, a team to you know compete with for a title. And I think we have a, a good shot of going dancing again. So looking forward to Samuta's return. Yeah, I was telling my cohorts, you know, the fan, we were saying, I was saying that, you know, next year's team on paper, I think they have that potential to obviously compete for a title, but they have that ability to kind of have the star power in terms of like the 2016 team that went to the tournament. If everybody comes back and they play to their fullest, you know, greatest potential, I think, you know, they're a team that can win the Big West and, you know, maybe pull off a Cinderella upset in the tournament. I don't know. What yeah, are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I agree with you on that. On paper, like we, like you said, we, we do look good, um, but we've been, I don't know how long we've been saying that for, for the past couple of years. And there is I've only said that this year, though. I haven't said that the past, like, five years. <laughs> not, not you, but uh, others, like on the Fan Voice, you see on ESPN Radio, Gary Dickman. Um, but I think what it comes down to is 
Hawaii has been playing very mediocre these past few years, or even since the 2016 team. Um, After that, it's been the first one exit in the Big West tournament, uh, finished the middle of the pack in the Big West, when actually they should be competing for a title every single year, you know, compared to the facilities that we have, uh, you know, with the gymnasiums, with Cal State Fullerton, all the other schools in the Big West. Uh, We have the best facilities here. Uh, you know, we just have upgraded facilities, the basketball practice facilities on campus. Um, they're really nice. And to be competing or having the first one exit the past four years is unacceptable. And I know Aran Ganat was probably on the hot seat for a, a few a few years. And so having this that first round win this year helped him a lot, saved him. Um, but again, I think Hawaii should be competing at a higher level than what they are. Or what they have been for the past five years. All right. So looking, staying on this next season topic. So I want you to give me your starting five for next year's team. If you're the coach. Oh, good question. I'll say at the point in our position, I would have Juan Munez, the two guard, Noel Coleman, uh, I say at the three would be Samuta. Um, at the four position, we'd have Bernardo. And hopefully, with Jerome DeRogier, if he gets another year of eligibility, he'll also be in the starting lineup as well. So um, him and Bernardo would kind of like switch it off at the four or five position. But that would be my starting five. And I think that's a pretty solid starting five if you ask me. Um, Jerome, this year, he provided a lot of hustle plays. He's kind of like a blue-collar worker. He'll, he'll get the, the work done. Um, he'll work hard, definitely. And, you know, he, his presence is well felt in the inside scoring game. So even though he's only six foot eight, six foot seven, he plays like he's seven foot. And that's what I like about Jerome is that he, all will, he will always fight for the ball, go out for the rebound and get it and put that second chance um you know points in the in the basket so he's a i think he's going to be a great hopefully if he returns he'll be a great asset to the team yeah kind of touching on derogia i I like that lineup i I think that's a clean lineup you know speaking on derogia though i was kind of when i first saw him play you know in the diamond head and even kind of starting in conference play I wasn't really a huge fan of him, but I think over the course of the games I went to, I started to realize the importance that he had on the team. And I think he really played better down the stretch. So he just kind of a, he's a guy who does the dirty work. I think that goes a little unnoticed, especially in basketball. But I mean, you know, if I had to counter that, I would probably switch out the point guard. I would put Jackson just because he has a little more experience. Okay. But, um, I would also consider if I was Ganat, I would consider having Ovea come off the bench just because he hasn't played for a while. You kind of get him back into basketball shape a little bit. That's so true. Maybe sw- you swap out can... Ovea for, can't forget about Kamaka Hepa too. He's coming back. Right. That's, I forgot about him. Um, so, you know what? That's, with that being said, I think we have a that's lot of depth. That's how good we are. Depth. We have a lot of depth. And I think actually, I'll change that. Kamaku will, will be in the starting lineup. I did forget about him. Um, he will for sure be in the starting lineup. I know that for sure. Um, but yeah, we're, we're gonna be we're, we're gonna have depth. I think in the backcourt and the frontcourt. Um, 
I think we're just missing that that true big man. I know that Mate was a big man for the past few years. Um, but yeah, so hopefully we can um, find that true big man that can help us score down low um, and you know be really consistent with scoring. Because I know Mate, he, he tries his best. And I know that he's trying hard. He's working hard. Uh, but there was just something that he was, I think, I think just missing. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can have that recruit come in and provide an instant impact, whether it's from the JC level um, or a transfer. Someone who can make an immediate impact would be beneficial for UH. All right. So basically the overall positive outlook is UH is, is destined for greatness this year or next year, excuse me. So I guess we'll have to look forward to that. And we might have to get yeah, our own season. We might need to get our own season tickets. We can't just we keep might, buying the $5 student tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely think that the the ceiling is very high for this team. Um, you know, granted that hopefully Jerome gets his his eligibility back this year. And they said that it's most likely will happen because of the Ivy League schools. They didn't have a season last year, and most players who did transfer from that um, league will be granted a, a next season. Yeah, I really hope he comes back too. He's he's a big piece to this team. Yes. But uh, you know, that's a lot of basketball talk we've had. So let's let's transition over to uh, the football team, who obviously made some headline news this off season. So obviously, uh, we found out that Todd Graham stepped down as UH head coach, and they replaced him with our local boy and former quarterback, uh, Timmy Chang. So we want to we want we want to get your thoughts on the Timmy Chang hire and you know obviously dealing with the June Jones rumors as well. Yeah, so I think Timmy Chang he was a safe hire for David Matlin. I think the term safe, what I mean by safe is that a lot of people kind of wanted Timmy Chang to be the head coach, or well, a lot of them they want June Jones to return. But when you have Timmy Chang, you know, who's a local boy, has, has Hawaii ties, he kind of fits the criteria list for, you know, what the Hawaii fans want. You know, they have a local kid, right, who's played for the university, who knows the state of Hawaii. And I think that's very important when it comes to hiring the head coach for the University of Hawaii. Because when it comes to Todd Graham, um, of course, you look at his resume, he's had a great you know, overall record with other previous schools that he's coached at. Um, he's had multiple bowl wins. Um, but the thing that did not check off the, the criteria was he had no Hawaii ties. And ultimately, unfortunately, it led to his dismissal and his resignation because um, of the lack of, I guess, knowledge of the Aloha, Aloha spirit, um, the Hawaii culture. And it was imminent with the, the transfer portal this year this past year i think it was about 15 to 20 players had transferred out of the university and i mean with the transfer portal though it's a lot easier for players to just leave one school and play another school immediately um, but for hawaii's case it was a lot of rumors of you know coaching very toxic environment uh, when it comes to coach todd graham and the verbal abuse the you know, no assistance when there's players who have med mental health issues. And so all of that was being ignored. And it ultimately, you know, leaked out to the public. 
and that's when they took action and launched an investigation. Um, and then I think that's when Coach Telegram decided to um, resign. Um, so with Timmy Chang, he he was a safe hire. I do have high hopes for him. I know that it won't be an easy transition as he stepped into a pretty much you know a team with very little players. Um, a lot of the t talent got transferred out. Um, so you know I think so far he's done a, gr a great job with recruiting. He's had an immediate impact on the the local players here in high school. <clears throat> I know he's offered a lot of a lot of kids from Milani, St. Louis, even Kahuku, uh, um, and Punahou. So he's he's out there um, recruiting the local boys, and not only the local boys, but he's also hitting hard on the mainland as well. So you know, once he he got hired, he got right to work, and I I think as a fan myself, um, we really appreciate that because you know when you step into a position where you may not necessarily have the you know the greatest of opportunities it you know at the current state but where he's at right now um he really took advantage of that and he let the fans know you know he's here he's here to stay and he's here to help so you know when timmy chang addressed his at the media day it was i watched it at, at work actually um and he seemed really he seemed really uh, truthful and authentic in his words so i definitely think that you know a lot of it has to do with um his local ties and, and whatnot. So I think Timmy Chang will, he will be great in the long run. He'll have struggles early on in his few years at UH, but I think all that is natural. Um, hopefully it pans out in year three and four for him. Yeah, I think with UH too, I know we're kind of in that rush to kind of get back to that powerhouse days, obviously with June Jones' Sugar Bowl team. You know, that's kind of like our goal and what we want to get back to. But, you know, I do think that this hire is going to take time. It's not going to be a one-year rebuild, like how all these other powerhouse or like power five schools, like a LSU or Alabama kind of school. They can, they can just rebuild on the fly because they have the money. They have the talent. They obviously yeah. can get a good coach, a big, big name coach. But, you know, Timmy's coming in with no experience as a head coach. So I think we just got to give him some time. And I really do think that, you know, he's going to do a great job for, for this team. But I do want to ask, though, since Timmy Chang obviously was a former UH quarterback, um, my kind of goal or hope is that he can kind of get the most out of whoever the quarterback is. And obviously, you know, Chevin Cordero was our quarterback the last few years, and he transferred to San, San Jose State. Uh, so I think on paper right now, the starter, I'm going to assume it's going to be Shager. And then they recruited the Washington State boy, right? As another yeah. recruit. So, so I'm hoping I'm hoping he can get those guys to play well. Yeah. So his name is Cameron Cooper, uh, the Washington State transfer. I don't think he played as much. Uh, obviously, he was a backup at Washington State, but uh, Brian Shager he brings some experience, right? He played about half the season because of Cordero's injury um, last year. Um, so I think it'll be a competition, and like you said. Timmy Chang will bring out the best in them because he is a former quarterback himself. So looking forward to um, seeing who the new quarterback will be for our Rainbow Warriors. And I wouldn't be surprised if they actually change or switch off uh, quarterbacks throughout the season because, um, you know, we've seen that before with Nick Rolovich and Comey Dondo, Dan Shevin. So, uh, you know, that, that wouldn't surprise me 
to see them switch off. But I think the quarterback position, uh, I think we'll be fine. I'm just a little worried about the the wide receivers position. Um, I know there's some recruiting going on. Defense, we have some defensive guys coming back in Panay Pavihi. Um, I know we have a few transferred out, but Melissa, he was the yeah, hardest. Melissa, <laughs> uh, our linebacker crew will actually look good with Pavihi. Uh, we have who else is there? He was an Oregon State transfer last a few years ago. Uh, he's also local from here. Um, but yeah, I think defensively, the linebacker crew will be a sol- will be solid. We did have a few Pac-12 transfers actually commit to UH. There's an Oregon State DB, a Cal DB. Um, so we're we're bringing in some some talent, you know, from big Power Five schools. So hopefully they can make an instant impact for us. Yeah, I think UH, you know, their recruiting has been a little a little better, I would say, these past few months compared to, you know, the Todd Graham era. Just, you know, getting those local boys to come back to play the first for Hawaii, you know, it's a good sign to see. So I think, you know, only time will tell. And, you know, hopefully fans can all go to the to the new stadium this year because I didn't get to go to any games last year. <laughs> yeah, so, so unfortunately, I was I'm kind of excited for a few games. And, you know, the atmosphere was just a lot different than the little stadium. Um, obviously, it's on campus, so the student population came out. Um, and it, I think it was just electric. And I think it would be great if we could have, you know, them stay on campus because obviously it's right there for the students. Um, and you just have that college environment. You know, it's just a different feel for the players, for the fans and experience overall. So, you know, if I don't know how, when or, you know, the plans are for a little stadium, but if it doesn't work out, I think having the option of playing on campus will be very, you know, great for the, for the program itself and hopefully you know not saying that they are but if they were to uh, i can i can see like a 30 a 30,000 seat stadium being built on campus 30,000 um, where are they going to fit the 30,000 <laughs> uh they can lower the field and and i don't know they are going to have to probably remove some some things <laughs> but if they build like a maybe not 30 but 25,000 seat stadium would be would be good yeah, they got to take down uh, the Stan Scherf and less than <laughs> the seats on that side. But yeah, UH football, obviously the new era begins next season, so it'll be a good one. But uh, let, let's transition over to the UH baseball team. Uh, you know, this year, another first-year coach is making his debut, Rich Hill, coming over from San Diego. Um, so kind of what do you, you know, we've been to a few UH games this year, so what are kind of your thoughts on how they've kind of started this first season under Rich Hill? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think we're just missing some of the pitching. Um, you know, that firepower that we had a few years ago in pitching is not there, as well as the bats. Um, I think maybe it might be just like, you know, beginning of the season, jitters where not, they might not be hitting as well as they, they could be. Um, but that's what's been kind of holding Hawaii baseball back is they're hitting. Um, I know they got the win today against Long Beach State, which is great. So uh, they got one game out of the four-game series so far. I think there's one. I'm not too sure if they've been four games, but um, I think they, they, they did still one game. 
yeah. Uh, but the other two games, they had chances to win. Um, they were actually up, and you know, it, it just slipped away. Uh, I wasn't, you know, keeping score on it every single time, but it could be the lack of hitting <clears throat> and errors that just, you know, kept happening and ultimately losing the game. But for Rich Hill, he brings in a lot of experience at, from the University of San Diego. Um, I think they were actually ranked a few times under his his head coaching um, tenure there. So, you know, he no, there's no doubt he has experience. Um, and I think he's kind of fitting in and getting used to the local ties, the local culture. He's, he's a surfer, and you'll see him, like, surfing every once in a while when he's not coaching. Um, so he, he has that kind of ability to fit in I guess naturally he's a he's a surfer for a while and he's been engaging with the fans and I don't know if you've seen posts but he's been engaging with the fans at the last before and after the games which is something that you don't see very often in a head coach um you know and it's that's great to see because he's trying to buy in the, the local the local community um, to come support the program and I think those, those are the first steps that you need to do when you're a head coach for the University of Hawaii so that's great to see um, as far as this season, I, there, there will probably be no doubt that there will be some struggles under the first year. Um, you know, not his recruits and a, a new strategy, new game plan for what he's trying to implement. And so you'll see some bumps and bruises along the way. But hopefully in the long run, just like Kao Timmy Chang, um, in about two or three years, we'll see some improvement and some stability. Yeah, you know, let's let's hope you're right because I really want to see UH go back to the College World Series because they haven't been back since the '80s, so it's been a while. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think the last time they won their conference tournament was in 2010 with Colton Wong. Colton Wong. Yeah, so it's been a while, and you know, it's we would love to see Hawaii compete at a very high level when it comes to baseball because we have a lot of local talent here. Um, as you know, right, we have, I think, eight out of nine starters for Hawaii baseball is from Hawaii. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, that can that just says, you know, how much talent we have here. And um, Coach Rich Hill sees that. And he's been recruiting hard for the local talent as well. So hopefully, you know, everything pans out the way we would like it to happen. Yeah, let's hope so. So basically with their trajectory in two years, we're going to have powerhouses in baseball and football <laughs> and our basketball team Best should be in, in, in the tournament. So, you know, should be a bright future for UH sports with what we're saying. Let's, let's, let's hope. <laughs> All right. So I think that's, that's a good session about UH sports. So obviously right now, you know, one of the big sports events right now is March madness. So on last week's show, you know, Greg and I gave our predictions for our final four and obviously our champions. So I know you've been following the tournament a little bit. So yes. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to, we want to know who your final four teams are and your champion is. Okay. All right. So I did fill out a bracket and my final four, I had Duke. Unfortunately, I had Kentucky playing in the final four. <laughs> um, but as we all know, they got eliminated against St. Peter's, who's actually in the Sweet 16. So shout out to them. Um, I think they're the first Mac school to ever reach the Sweet 16. I also had Arizona and Kansas. And my winner uh, for that was Arizona. 
had them beating Kentucky mm-hmm. in the national championship in New Orleans, Louisiana. So I think Arizona is actually playing right now. I'm not too sure of the score. So hopefully they they got the dub, you know, to help me uh, prevail my bracket from being any worse. So yeah. Yeah, you're what, like what's, me. What's your final four? I'll yeah, so I... last week we announced it. So I said I was like you. So I had Arizona winning and beating Gonzaga in the finals, and then my other two teams were UCLA and Auburn, who got upset. <laughs> so oh. I'm I'm down to three teams, just like you. So I'm hoping yeah, that I can know. at least get two, at least two. And you never know with March Madness. It's it's crazy. And it's St. Peter's this year, who is the Cinderella and, you know, the, the upset makers. And I, wa- I want to see them win. I want to see them go as far as they possibly can. I know um, a few years back, it was, uh, who was it? They had Oral Roberts last year. They were a Oral 15th. Roberts. They even had, uh, oh, what's that, that private school with um, the religious school? The religious school. You oh. can't. Uh, kind of <laughs> yeah, but there there have been a few schools in the past that you know made huge runs in the in the tournament, and that's that's what I love about March Madness is that you never know who is gonna who's gonna win any games, and it, it shows in the brackets, right? Your first two games, you might have chosen the correct teams to win, and then all of a sudden you're down <laughs> five, six games, and it just keeps adding up. And I think they. ESPN posted on Twitter that there were zero perfect brackets after like the first, after the first round, not even the first round being complete. And it was, it was over. So um, that's what I love about March Madness. You never know what's going to happen. And I would like to see Hawaii there once again. They could have been there this year and they could have played Duke in the first round. You know, you played, know how yeah. cool that would have been? Ben Carroll would have scored like 50 on <laughs> <laughs> Mate, Mate would have uh, stopped it. <laughs> oh gosh, he would fall out in like five minutes. He's a he's a foul magnet. Man. All right, so you know that's March Madness there, but I want to switch switch to a different sport. So obviously, you and I have been taking up the sport of golf, and this is kind of a fun one. So this weekend, we actually have a scramble tournament. So we do. I don't. Do. I don't know. I don't know the full the full roster, but. I want to. I want to know who you think is going to win this weekend. I'm going to put me and I'm going to say me and Lucas are going to win because we won last time. You know, I'm going to say I think that I think the girls, the four girls, have a chance of winning the scramble tournament. And I have, I have Leslie here with me, my girlfriend. Um, but I, I do think that they have the potential because you know there's four of them, and they're all decent. So I'm kind of concerned about them. Um, you know, Leslie, she's consistent with her drives and whatnot. Cameron has, I don't know, I haven't seen her much. Taylor can can putt. So I think they have a shot of winning. But besides that, I think me and Ryan, we have a shot of winning it as well. You know, Ryan O'Hara has been going to the range. He's been playing a lot more. So he's been better since that Westlock uh, tournament that we had. And so I have some high hopes for him. I think we can make some some moves and some uh you know birdies hopefully gonna make your uh, march madness run on the golf course on saturday yeah i think we are the underdog to be honest because from what i have heard 
Um, I'm not too sure if you and Lucas will be together because you guys were already there last time, but it's going to be Jaren and Matt, or no, Jaren and CJ, uh, Jaden and Aris. So actually, Jaden and Aris might be a, a pretty good a duo together. Um, and it actually might, yeah, it might be you and Lucas, I'm not too sure, but that's not fair. That's <laughs> <laughs> not fair. We don't even golf. We don't golf as much as you guys. We deserve a little a little break. <laughs> That's true. But yeah. yeah. It's going to be a I'm fun one. I'm looking forward one. to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one. Well, I mean, that kind of concludes our podcast. But as usual, guys, you know, we always end with a sports history fact for the day. So today we're recording on March 20th. And way back when, in 2020... This was the day Tom Brady decided to leave the Patriots and sign with the Buccaneers. So for all you Tom Brady fans, you know, happy anniversary because he's also back and he's going to make another run of the Super Bowl this year. But all right, I think that wraps up our show this week. Again, Hunter, thanks for coming on. You know, we look forward to having you back soon. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I know uh, Greg's not here, but uh, tell him I said hi and, uh, yeah, it's you. I'll be, I'll be uh, more than happy to join the podcast again in the future. Talk about Hawaii sports, chopping it up, um, and even about golf. You know, I know golf's a big part of our lives now, but when it comes to that, also OBL, don't forget that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. OBL starts <laughs> in a couple months. Yep, we will, we will touch on all of that when that time comes. All right, guys, till next time. <laughs>